You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, happy Monday. This is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. I hope everyone had a good weekend and is staying safe and COVID-free. I pretty much spent my weekend inside my Airbnb here in Athens. I've been watching a lot of film, creating content, and updating my website. I am proud to say that I'm up to 95 profile pages for this draft class, and I have about 10 pages that I've dedicated to international prospects for the 2023, 2024, and even the 2025 NBA draft. So I've been, I've been hustling. That's one thing I can tell you that I've been doing. I've been hustling. That is the good thing about being overseas here is that there's really not any distractions. I don't have much to do, and then they've been canceling games, so I've had plenty of time and. I just have this this goal that I'm driven and focused on of having the best draft content out there for this draft cycle. So that's what I'm focused on. And my goal is 250 profiles between now and June. I think there's like 170 days into the draft, so I'm right on track. And in today's episode, I am going to drop my big board 2.0, but this will be different from 1.0. Because I've included the second round, I've included 60 players, even though Miami and Milwaukee will be forfeiting their picks this year in relation to their contract dealings or some negotiations they had with Kyle Lowry and Bogdan Bogdanovich. And for Miami, I mean, it was a win. You get Kyle Lowry and only thing you give up is a late second round pick. So anyway, but I must say, The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my thoughts as of today and are always, always up for debate and subject to change. My opinions are not intended to malign any player. It is just my thoughts and opinions. Had to add the disclaimer there just, you know, just because. All right. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with pick 60. I'm going to work my way up to the number one pick. I have a new number one, but at number 60, I'm going to go with Nolan Hickman, the point guard from Gonzaga. I think that he may enter the draft. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's best for him to stay another year, and especially because of this whole NIL situation. I think that creates a situation where if you're not a first-round pick, you could probably make more money in college. But if you don't want to go to class, then going to the NBA is not a bad option. At number 59, I have Keon Ellis from Alabama. It's kind of had a breakout year. Reminds me a little bit of Will Barton, just because he's like this skinny, creative, slashing scorer. At number 58, I have Gonzaga Jr., Drew Timmy. I've heard some rumors that he may be looking to come back. I don't know if coming back actually helps him or not. He's just going to have to address his um, shooting. I mean, I think that's the biggest concern is his shooting. But if he does decide to come back, I mean, he'd have one of the best college careers in in recent memory. At 57, Johnny Juzang from UCLA. He flirted with the draft last year, decided to come back. And UCLA seems like they haven't played in a long time, but I have him at number 57. 
56, I have Khalifa Jop, who is playing for Gran Canaria in Spain. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on Jop. At number 55, I have Julian Strawther, who's having a good sophomore season. At Gonzaga, he's been shooting the cover off the ball. At 54, Alan Flanagan, who could be higher. I mean, I think that his name could end up... You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see if he ends up somewhere in the 30s. He's coming off an injury, so it, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a slow start for him. He is probably one of the top 10 returning players before his injury. So at number 54, I have Alan Flanagan, the athletic wing from Auburn. At 53, Jaime Hotkiss from UCLA, just a unique player. I mean, he's just a, a guy that you know he he has the intangibles. He scores. He's not going to wow you with athleticism but he's just the guy that puts the ball in the basket and plays hard so I have him at number 53 at number 52 I have Tristan Vucevic playing for Real Madrid he's tough to to gauge because he's not really getting a lot of minutes on Real Madrid I mean he's stuck in this in this in-between if you know European basketball it's like this in-between stage where you can dominate the juniors and then you may be playing on the senior club, but it's a competitive senior club, and there may not be a lot of minutes because you're so young. So I've had a chance to watch Real Madrid play this season. I was hoping to get a chance to see him, but I didn't get I, didn't, I really didn't get a chance to see much because um, he played a limited role. But, I mean, he has the size, athleticism, think he projects to be a pretty good shooter. So I have Tristan Vucevic at number 52. Number 51, this guy could be rising up, and I know Chad Ford had him as a first-round pick on his latest mock draft, but I have Josh Minot from Memphis. He started to come along late. He's kind of a weird player to project because he he looks like a wing, but he plays like a four, but he has a high upside as a defender, high-energy guy, needs to work on his shot. He's not much of a shooter, but he's someone that I could see easily rising up. And number 50, I have Fedor Zujic, a shooter out of Germany. He's also someone that could rise. He's pretty young for his class. And, I mean, he, he has a defined role as a shooter. He's pretty active and comes off screen. So, again, he's somebody that I can see rising. At 49, I have Michael Foster. I have Foster as a first-rounder on my last mock. And, you know, my opinions change. I think Foster has put up really good numbers and his game is just kind of more so suited from for the older NBA. He does have some skills. Like he does show some capabilities of being able to put the ball on the floor. But it seems like it's it's forced. He's kind of like a poor man's Julius Randle. But if he has half of Randle's career, then I mean that's that's pretty good. Julius has made a lot of money and and was an All Star last year, I believe. All right, at number forty eight, one of my favorite guards, Matteo Spagnolo from Italy. He's flashy. He's fun to watch. He could also rise up draft boards. I've been high on him since this summer, and I think that he's someone that he could end up not being in the draft because he's so young. I think he's only 18 years old, but he's someone that I'm, I'm really high on, and I could I wouldn't be surprised if he shoots up the draft board, and I wouldn't be surprised if he opts to return to, to Europe for another season. Number 47, I have Terrence Shannon Jr. His name has been on my list for about three years now, athletic. Uh, more so plays like a, a four, but he's improved as a shooter a lot, so I think that would help him out, but you know, it's kind of like one of those things with college basketball. The more game film they have on you, then the <laughs> lower your stock is. All right, at number 46, and I think this guy could go higher. I wouldn't be shocked to see him late first round either, but it's EJ Lydell. 
Very interesting. I, I kind of compared him to maybe like a P.J. Tucker with a little bit more offensive game. He has a high potential as a defender, a switchy defender. I, I, I was going to say a little undersized, but he's really a lot undersized. And he's put up good numbers. He scores a lot of his points in the mid-range and in the low post. I don't think that would be his role in the NBA. But he's shown enough shooting to where I think he could play a P.J. Tucker type role. But he is an awesome rim protector at 6'7". One of the best shot blockers I've seen in this draft class. So I think his defense is what gets him in the NBA. At 45, I have Ocha Agbaji from Kansas. He's someone that's put up really, really good numbers. For whatever reason, I just have him at 45. I think there's some younger players that have a higher upside. Even some of the younger players that have been disappointing, I think, will have a higher upside. So that's why I have him at 45. At 44, I'll probably get killed for this. But I, Trevor Kills, I have him at 44. I'm clearly not as high on Trevor Kills as a lot of people. I've seen him as a first-rounder. I think that he does have some potential as a defender. You know, he's strong. But I'm just really not high on him as a shooter. And I and finishing at the rim and, and length, I'm, you know, again, I, I'm not as high on kills as others. I think he's still living off the hype of the first few games of the season. But I have him at number 44. At number 43, I have another international prospect, Roko Prakachin. Prakachin flirted with the draft last year. Has had a solid year this year. He's someone who could also rise up boards, but I'm I like Rocco a lot. I think that he has what it takes to carve out an NBA career as a, a tough athletic role player that can provide a spark off the bench. At number 42, I have Christian Coloco from Arizona. I actually had a chance to watch him play this summer. He's your your long, athletic, rim protector, rim runner, vertical lob threat. He's averaging over three blocks, nearly four blocks per game. And he just has a defined role as someone that is going to protect the paint, run the floor, catch lobs, and do all his work at the dunker spot. And at number 41, the last player that I'll discuss before I go to break. It is Travion Williams. Now, he could also rise up boards. He is one of the most polished players in college basketball. Excellent passer. Like, he is an incredible passer for his size. He's listed at 6'10", I think like 255. He looks a little bigger than that. But he is someone that I could definitely see. I mean, he's kind of like a a poor man's yoke. He doesn't have the ball handling but, I mean, he is a, a great passer, very productive, not really playing a lot of minutes per game. I think he's at about 13 points and 8 rebounds and a little less than 20 minutes per game because he's he's sharing, sharing minutes there. But he's one of the most productive players per minute. And, again, like I said, I think that his, his name could rise up draft boards. Oh, I forgot to thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. My apologies. But – I know you guys have been listening, so I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting candy bar on the market. It's a new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but I would say it tastes even better. Built Bar makes it easier for you to stick to your New Year's resolutions or your goals because unlike other protein bars, which can taste chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bar is 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, so you can compare that to a candy 
candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built dot com use the promo code locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d 15 and you'll get 15 percent off at built.com so once again thank you for making locked on nba draft your first listen of the day now i would suggest you check out locked on now it's the locked on now podcast it is nightly recaps of every nba game with analysis from our local experts so listen to the locked on now podcast on apple spotify or you can watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Once again, this is Rafael from NBA Draft Junkies. Again, this is my big board 2.0. And in this version, I'm giving you 60 picks. I'm doing two rounds. So let's start at number 40. Yannick Sosa had first round buzz, top five, top 10 buzz coming into the season. Had an injury and he's been... He, he, he's honestly been disappointing. So I have him falling all the way from a projected top 10 pick down to 40. And that's probably going to be the trend here with, with a few guys. At number 39, I have Max Christie from Michigan State. Max has also struggled, had a lot of buzz coming into the season. And I have him at number 39. Again, this could change as, as we get into conference play. Number 38, Usman Jang, one of the more disappointing prospects. I have him at 38. I mean, he's really been struggling. I had questions about his fit with the New Zealand Breakers coming into the season. You can go back and listen to a few of my old podcasts. I mentioned that I did not think he was the best fit there because I felt like he would be in a situation similar to RJ Hampton where he wouldn't have the ball in his hands. And Jang is just really struggling. He's struggling shooting. But he's shown flashes. He's really shown some flashes, small flashes, I should say. Small glimpses of his potential. I mean, I still think he could end up being a first-round pick, but it would definitely not be based off of his production. At number 37, I have Caleb Love, who was highly, highly touted as a freshman. He was one of the freshmen that a lot of people thought was a one-and-done. Had a just brutal freshman season, but he has more than made up for it as a sophomore. I'm surprised that he is not getting more buzz. He has addressed a lot of the concerns, mainly his shooting. He's shooting over 40% from three. So I have Caleb Love at Caleb Love at number 37, but he could rise up some boards. At 36, I talked about him in an episode last week. I have Christian Brown from Kansas. Have to make sure I don't say Christian Braun. Braun is having a breakout season at Kansas and Coming into the season, I don't think anyone thought that Brown was the Jayhawks' number one NBA draft prospect, but I project him as just this this connective tissue glue guy that does a little bit of everything. Oh, and he had the dunk of the weekend, and he kind of had the reputation as a shooter his first couple of years, but this year, I mean, he has made tremendous strides as a, as a slasher and someone that puts pressure on the rim. And again, check out that dunk. It was the dunk of the weekend, in my opinion. At number 35, I have Peyton Watson. Peyton Watson was also a guy that was a projected lottery pick. Not in the best fit at UCLA. And he'll probably end up being a lot higher than this. But, you know, I'm really not big on judging guys off of what they did in high school. I go by what I see now. And he just hasn't really been productive. Um, if he was in a different situation, then he probably could be. But I think that his weaknesses have been exposed at UCLA. I mean, he really struggles playing off the ball. 
and he's best with the ball in his hands, and I really can't put him as a first-round pick. And number 34, I have Bryce McGowan's from University of Nebraska. McGowan's is playing on a bad Husker team. I expected that Fred Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg was going to turn that program around, and it hasn't happened. Nebraska is pretty bad, and, and he's been like the, the, the one bright spot. So um, I have him at number 34. I had him as a first-round pick in my last draft, on my last big board, but... He's fallen down a little bit. At number 33, I have Aminu Muhammad, who is like the epitome of positionless. He's like a 6'5 power forward. I mean, he has an incredible motor. I think he has defensive potential. I mean, on one hand, you know, you see your guys, you see like positionless basketball, and then you have guys that are positionless, but you can figure out a defined role for them. I think Muhammad is positionless, but you can see him playing like this Bruce Brown type role. Number 32, Caleb Houston from Michigan. Houston is struggling, and I think that, you know, if he's not really knocking down shots at a high rate, I don't know what he also brings to the table, and that's the reason why I have him at number 32. Same for Patrick Baldwin at number 31. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I know it. People are going to be very upset that I have Patrick Baldwin at number 31. I know a lot of people, despite his struggles, still think that he is a first-round pick. I've even seen some people have him in the lottery. I just don't see it. He just has not been good against some of the better teams that, that they face. He's in a weird situation. If he dominates the rest of the season, I mean, it was against mid-major competition. If he doesn't, it may hurt his draft stock even more. I wasn't impressed with him as a shooter at the under-19, so I have him at number 31, and I know that's not going to be popular, but convince me why he should be a lottery pick. All right, at number 30, I have Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore has been very productive for Duke this season. I know he's not a 19-year-old or 18-year-old one-and-done prospect, that people thought he was, but he's been productive, but he's very young for his class. So I have Wendell Moore at number 30. I thought I could get up to the lottery, but I'm going to stop here, take a break, pay some bills. But when I return, I will finish out the first round all the way up into my number one pick. But I would like to talk to you about Bet Online. First of all, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new year, a happy new betting year. As you continue to march to the playoffs and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. And if you sign up today, you receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the remainder of the first round. The last pick I said was number 38, Wendell Moore. All right, number 29, I'm going with Harrison Ingram, the point forward from Stanford. He's drawn a lot of comparisons to Draymond Green. He is a unique prospect. I mean, we're in an era where there's a lot of unique prospects, but we're talking about a guy that has the body of a four but has the passing instincts of a point guard, and I think Harrison Ingram could be a really good piece for a team, especially if he's going at this late in the draft, he'll end up on a good team. And at number 28 is probably the biggest shocker, but I've been high on this guy for a while. He's been 
playing at Barcelona the last couple seasons. Now he's playing in second division Spain. And he has shown me that he's worth a first-round pick. Abu Baji, one of the freakiest athletes in this draft. I've been high on him for years. From the first time I saw him play a few years ago, I thought, oh, this guy is going to be the number one pick in the draft. I don't know why his development has tailed off some freaky athlete, long, bouncy, has, I mean, just loads of potential. Just if you want to go by talent alone, he's a top 10 pick for whatever reason. I don't know whatever it is. His development has seemed to start out a little bit, but he's shown some flashes this year of what he's capable of. At number 27, I have Julian Champagne, the, just the bucket getter. I mean, that's that's the best way I can describe him as a bucket getter. I don't think he's someone that you can pencil into a position. He's not a two, not a three, not a four. He's just a guy that gets buckets, pull-up jumpers, and I'm, I'm very high on Champagne. At number 26, I have Mark Williams from Duke. And Mark Williams... It's weird. I have Williams at number 26, and I have Coloco at 42. I don't think there's that much of a difference. Williams is your rim protector, a guy that's going to score at the dunker spot, someone that's going to alter shots from the floor. Some teams may feel like you can get a guy like Mark Williams in the second round, but I have him at number 26. At number 25, I have one of my favorite players in the draft. Actually, the next two guys are two of my favorite players in the draft, and I just did videos on them. I have Darion Sebron from NC State, and now this guy is the epitome of positionless, but in a good way. 6'7", like 180 pounds, but he is tough as tough as nails. I don't know. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Sean Marion. Averages 10 rebounds a game, so we're talking about 180-pound wing that averages 10 rebounds per game but he's also a playmaker and there are times where he looks like a natural point guard I mean I think that he is someone that if you get him in the right system he turns into an absolute weapon I would love to see him in like Miami or Toronto or something like that he struggles shooting the ball but he is someone that puts tremendous amount of pressure at the rim 83% of his shots are at the basket. At number 24, I have Alondis Williams, and the smartest thing he ever did was transfer from Oklahoma to Wake Forest. He went from, I don't want to say he was a no-name, but he went from not being on anybody's draft boards to arguably the best point guard in college basketball this season. I did a video on him, kind of reminds me of Darren Williams a little bit. He's 6'5", he's shifty, got handles, finishes at the rim. An incredible passer. I also did a, a little small breakdown on my, my Twitter page of some of his passers. I mean, he's just a nifty playmaker. He has made himself a lot of money with his play this season. It'll be interesting to see how he continues to play as ACC play goes on. At number 23, I have Marjan Bochamp, who's had a phenomenal year for the G League Ignite team. He's someone that I did not have as a first-round pick on my last mock, or even like coming into the season, but I think he's done enough to put himself in position to hear his name called by Adam Silver. Number 22, here's a high riser for you, Blake Wesley. Wesley was not super, super highly touted, was not someone that was projected to be a one-and-done, and he has outplayed a lot of the players that were ranked higher than him. A lot of the five-star guys, some of the guys that I mentioned, from Caleb Houston to Peyton Watson to Max Christie to Ushman Dang, all these guys are projected higher than him. Blake Wesley has outplayed them, and he is number 22 on my board. I like his size. I like his upside as a shot creator. I think he's shown 
that he can play a role, and I think that he has more game than what he's been able to display. He's shooting a lot of threes, but I think that, you know, he's got a little ball handling, shake and bake, and shot creativity in this game. Maybe a little bit of Karis Levert, should I say? All right, at number 21, I have Nikola Jovic, who really, really caught my attention at the under-19s this summer. I thought he was one of the best players there. So far, the results have been mixed this season, but he is super skilled. He has the ability to shoot, make plays for others, post up. I think he's one of the most versatile weapons in this draft class. All right, at number 20, Tari Eason, probably another guy that you've never really thought was going to be a potential first-round pick coming into this draft. He's fun to watch. I mean, he brings so much to the table defensively. He's a good athlete. He's just a hooper. You know, there was this big debate between hoopers and basketball players. I saw that on Twitter. Eason is a hooper. He just gets buckets. He he has the, the body type to where he could play multiple positions, play the three and the four. He could, he could easily be a lottery pick. I've seen someone compare him to Patrick Williams. I think the difference is Patrick Williams is only 18 on draft night. But at number 19, I have a guy that I'm a big fan of, Ismail Kamagate. I don't think that he is getting the attention that he really deserves he's having a great year in France I had a chance to watch him live in the game that I saw live he totally dominated Victor Wimbayama who many think will be the top pick in the 2023 draft so I'm high on Ismail Kamagate hopefully I get a chance to watch him play this weekend I have plans to travel to Paris see if I can get a chance to to watch him play at number 18 I got another French prospect Hugo Besson I did a video on Hugo earlier in well it was earlier in the fall late summer and I'm glad to say that I was on the Besson bandwagon early he's the divisive prospect but he's out there in Australia getting buckets I think that he has a role in the NBA as a scorer and number 17 I got Jeremy Sochan I just mispronounced his name from Baylor, left last game against TCU with an injury, but he's someone that has risen up draft boards. And again, this is another guy that was not as highly touted as some of the players I have in the second round, and he has definitely been more productive. Just to show that sometimes these high school ratings, these five stars, don't really mean anything because he was not a guy that we heard a big buzz about. I mean, the, the coming into the season, so he has definitely. Um, made a name for himself there. Number 16, J.D. Davison. He's been struggling lately. I know I had him very high in my last mock, but he's really, really struggled lately. He's had a bunch of games where he's had like eight points or less. I understand it's his role, but um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's that that's hurt his stock a little bit in, in my opinion. And number 15, it is Dyson Daniels. Dyson is another player from this talented talented g league ignite class i felt like last year's g league ignite class had a bigger buzz and they did have three guys that were selected in the top 10 but this class has really been strong it didn't have the fanfare so i have dyson daniels at number 15 now we'll get into the lottery at number 14 i have kennedy chandler the point guard from tennessee i think chandler has the potential to be like Darius Garland. Darius Garland is someone that is now considered a strong candidate to be an all-star, and I think Kennedy Chandler has some similarities there. May not be the shooter as as Garland is, but I think that he does have that potential. Number 13, I have Jan Montero. I've been keeping him in the lottery, but it's tough to 
to evaluate some of the guys from overtime elite. I mean, I don't I mean he's playing arguably the worst competition. And the guys are talented, but it's like glorified AU or high school basketball. But I have I've been a believer in Montero since I saw him at Basketball Without Borders in 2020. At number 12, I have Jaden Harding. The numbers don't look good. He's been incredibly inefficient, but he just has the shot-making ability that you like. I I mean, he had a game-winning shot this weekend. I'm still high on his upside. I, I just don't know if he is the lead ball handler or the point guard that people thought he could develop into. And maybe he really hasn't had the opportunity because he's playing with Dyson Daniels and Pujetter. But I still have him at number 12. At number 11, I have Ty Ty Washington, who had 17 assists this weekend. And he got a chance to play point guard. And he had a chance to initiate the offense by himself. And he put up 17 assists. He is a Kentucky guy. That means he is sacrificing. That means that he has a lot more game than he's been able to showcase because everybody sacrifices at Kentucky. And he could be the next Kentucky player that outplays his draft position. At number 10, I have Benedict Matherin, an excellent athlete, projects to be a 3D wing. I mean, there's a role for guys like him with his athleticism, his shooting, and, and his defensive potential. I, easily a top 10 pick. Number 9, I have Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown has fallen a few slots from the last episode, but I'm still high on Kendall Brown. I love his versatility. I love his upside as just this... I don't even know. I don't want to say connective tissue because I've used that word too many times, but just an ideal role player. If he can ever get the confidence, like if he had Jaden Hardy's confidence in his shot, easily top five. Number eight, Jalen Duran, excellent shot blocker, baby Dwight. And I think the most underrated skill set is his passing. We know that he has like this incredible physique. We know that he's a strong finisher around the rim. Not as polished in the post. Very young. I think he's only going to be like 18 on draft day. But I think if he can show the upside as a passer, you may see some BAM comparisons instead of Baby Dwight. At number seven, I have Keegan Murray, who has a great chance of being National Player of the Year. Murray got off to an incredible start, and I honestly thought he was just balling out against lower-level competition. But he's been getting buckets in the Big Ten. He had a 35-point game against Maryland. And, I mean, I think that was his second 35-point game in, like, two or three weeks. And Murray has what it takes. I mean, he has definitely put himself in position. And how good was that Iowa team last year? I mean, Murray was definitely being held back. And it's interesting that he was the third-best player on the team last year. And now he's going to be drafted much, much higher than the two guys that the offense ran through last season. So, Keegan Murray at number seven. At number six, a big riser, even though he's coming off an injury and he's not starting. I think he's shown enough to where somebody's going to gamble on him and select him in the top ten. But it is A.J. Griffin from Duke, powerful frame, good shooter from three, has, I mean, good passing instincts. You can tell that he is well coached. He's polished. Like I said, great frame. He's drawn a lot of comparisons to Jimmy Butler. And if he is Jimmy Butler, then he's definitely worthy of a top six pick. Number five, I have Jaden Ivey. He falls one spot from my last mock. Ivey is like this Russell Westbrook, Ja Morant type athlete type energy. 
And he's shooting 45% from three. I was shocked. Like, I had to, like, go to a different site to make sure it wasn't an error. But he is shooting 45% from three and has answered the biggest question about his shooting. But the next step is, can he become a better pull-up shooter off the dribble? It's either a three-pointer or straight to the rack, which, you know, if you're big on analytics, then then, then you love that. So I have Jaden Ivey at number five. And at number four, another big rise. I made a huge mistake. I did not have him on my last mock draft as a first-round pick. I apologized on Twitter. I think he is the player of the year if the season ended today. And it is Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Davis has been, I mean, he's been terrific for Wisconsin. He outplayed Ivy in their matchup last week. So much to say about his game. I mean, he plays hard. He's tough. He posts up smaller guards. Even when he cuts, he cuts with a purpose. I mean, he's just been phenomenal, terrific, excellent, whatever accolades you can come up with. Like I said, as of today, he is my National Player of the Year. At number three, I'm still going Jabari Smith at number three. I know he's been number one on quite a few mocks, and I mean, that's kind of the trend right now, but I still have Jabari Smith at number three. He's an excellent shooter. Some say that he has the highest upside. I am not certain that he has a higher upside than Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, but either way, you can't go wrong. I think those three prospects are in a tier by themselves, but yeah, Jabari Smith at number three. At number two, Two, I have Chet Holmgren. I just dropped the Chet Holmgren video on my YouTube channel. I made a shorter version on Twitter, and I updated his profile on my website. Holmgren is the unicorn. I mean, he's a shot blocker, averaging three and a half blocks per game. The three-point shot is up to 35%. I think he's a very underrated passer. The concerns are about his size because he's so skinny, but he's tough. He is tough. He makes up for his lack of strength and his toughness, and I mean, 7'1", seven, 7'6", seven seven, wingspan, shot blocker, capable shooter. And I mentioned in my video, and this is the most mind-boggling stat I have ever seen in my life, he has an effective field goal percentage of 107.9% in transition. Like, that is mind-boggling. And that's because in transition, he's an elite finisher, shooting 84% from the floor, but he is knocking down threes as a trailer at a high rate in transition. Chet Holmgren, number two. And at number one, it's obvious it leaves Paolo Bancaro as the number one pick in the draft. We're talking about a 250-pound man-child that is just a bucket getter. He, he can do so many things with the basketball. I still would like to see Duke use him a little bit more as like a, a pick-and-roll ball handler, play with the ball a little bit more. I think that once he gets to the NBA you'll be able to see more of his natural playmaking skills. But overall, Bancaro has, has been the best prospect, in my opinion. The cramping seems to have gone away, got off to a, a dominant start. And, and so far, I mean, I still think that nobody has done enough to pass him up as the number one pick on my list. Right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I know I kind of went through so many players, but that wraps up this episode. But before I leave, I want to talk to you about Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and it is available on all platforms. Once again, this is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies and I am out.